You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. And we are back here for the Chris and Joe Show, part of Big Blue Views Audio Network. I'm Joe Delio, joined by Chris Flum as we continue our off-season series, previewing the Giants' opponents for the 2021 season from the perspective of analyzing how they performed over the off-season, how they've improved. And every headline that you need to know about those specific teams, as well as a prediction of best and worst case scenarios. So if you happen to miss the other shows, we went through all of the various NFC East teams. We broke those teams down, talked about their off seasons. Today, we're going to get into the first non-NFC East team, that being the Denver Broncos, the Giants week one opponent. So this is going to be uh, you know, an interesting matchup for the Giants as they are looking to get the ball rolling, start the season hot, and not have to deal with too much adversity and hopefully finally get a win to start the season, which seemingly has not happened for a very, very long time. Now, this Broncos team is a bit of a mixed bag because defensively, they're scary. They are very, very scary. But offensively, when we get to the quarterback position, that's where things get a little bit sticky. And referencing what is so scary to me, Chris, is they were already a really good, well-coached defense under Vic Vangio, but the additions that they made through the draft and through free agency make them even better. Patrick Sertain was their first-round pick. They also signed Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby, who are both very good corners. They also were able to uh, bring back Von Miller from an injury. Justin Simmons was brought back on an extension. And then if you look at the draft, they drafted Brandon Browning, linebacker from Ohio State, and Caden Stearns, a safety from Texas. Now, both of those guys were not perfect prospects. They had uh, some question marks. But I think the situation that they're being placed in because they're two former five-star recruits going to a team that is very defensive-minded – They're going to get on the field, and Vic Fangio is going to find ways to use them actively because they're good athletes and they're talented players. But overall, Chris, man, this this group looks pretty scary defensively. Yeah, I would actually say, just to go back a week, Denver kind of reminds me of Washington, where they've got some pieces on offense, but what you really have to pay attention to is their defense. You, know, you mentioned all of those DBs they added, retaining Justin Simmons, adding Patrick Sertain the second, adding Kyle Fuller, adding Ronald Darby, adding Caden Stearns. You know, they've added Baron Browning, who is a really athletic off-ball linebacker. You know, probably a good, uh, good fit for that middle linebacker position. You know, I think we all kind of had some questions about his ability to read an offense, but 
once he knew where he was going, he could get there in a hurry. And then I, I would also add, they added Jonathan Cooper, the defensive end out of Ohio State, which, you know, he's seventh round pick. He's not a great D end, but I think just as far as inexpensive depth behind Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, who had a solid season last year, they could certainly do a hell of a lot worse. And Vic Fangio is one of the best defensive minds in the NFL. So they're going to be a tough nut to crack defensively. I think the Giants are kind of lucky that for once they're starting the season at home, they're not having to go to Denver where um, I'm pretty sure they haven't haven't found out about oxygen yet. (laughs) Right. And, and, you know, overall, I I think what just makes this team very difficult to face for any offense that's trying to get their footing underneath them, circumstantially, the Giants – have to run into this group in week one, which is going to make things all the more daunting. They are trying to completely redirect from how they performed poorly last year with all of these new faces that we've talked about so much during the offseason. They want a game like this to pick up some momentum week one by putting up some good numbers, and it's not going to be easy to do that because of who they're facing in their secondary the talented defensive line that they have, the talented athletic linebackers they have. There are a lot of names and faces in this group that might cause some problems for the Giants. And speaking a little bit on the offensive side of things, they also drafted Javante Williams, who is considered to be one of the best running backs in this class. A bit surprising for them to decide to take Williams, despite already having Melvin Gordon. That's going to be a really fun one-two punch for that Broncos offense. And then not to mention of the bolstering of their offensive line, which was decent last year. Not on the better half of offensive lines, but decent, got the job done. They were able to add Quinn Miners, who everyone believes has a ton of upside if he can hit that potential that we saw at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I think one of the interesting, and we were talking about this before we started recording, one of the interesting things is where will Quinn Miners play? Yeah, they have Lloyd Cushenberry, who a, a, a lot of people, I think ourselves included, thought the Giants were going to draft a year ago in the 2020 draft. Well, the Broncos have him, and it's near as we can tell, he was their center last year. But Quinn Myers is, as you put it, 100% a center. So what is going to go on? What is going to happen? How is their interior offensive line going to shake out? Because the Giants' defensive front is very defensive tackle heavy. So that could figure pretty heavily into their the how the Giants offense matches up with the Broncos or sorry, how the Giants defense matches up with the Broncos offense. Just how that interior offensive and defensive line matchup shakes out. And then you mentioned Javante Williams. I I love him. I loved him coming out of North Carolina. He was actually my running back too. I think that could be a very strong addition for them. And as you say, a a really fun one-two punch. And that could help uh, even out some of the highs and lows with their potential quarterback situation. Right. I I really like that addition of Javante Williams. And you'd have to anticipate that Melvin Gordon is not going to be the long-term answer for that Broncos running back room. It's it's pretty clear that 
they're trying to have an option to move on from when that contract is up. And a guy like Javante Williams is going to be able to take over that that load. And ultimately, you know, we're, we're talking a little bit about here, a lot of people are talking about their quarterback situation. And I honestly see this as a team who doesn't really need to worry as much as they sh- should be about their quarterback situation because of the impact that they have from their running game. If, if all cylinders are clicking and they're able to move the ball on the ground, they might be able to take some pressure off the shoulders of Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, whoever ends up being that starting quarterback. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to be completely fine with no issues. It obviously helps to have an elite-level quarterback or an above-average quarterback, but they might not need as much of an impact from either of those guys. And that's that final improvement. Do we consider Teddy Bridgewater to be uh, to be an improvement? Is that actually going to be the starting quarterback, or do we continue on with Drew Locke? That seems to be the biggest question mark right now for who is going to be the guy for the Broncos under center. Yeah, and that really could determine how the Broncos season goes just overall. You know, I there were uh rumors, whispers, however you want to talk however you want to frame it that Pat Shermer really wanted the Giants to draft Drew Locke back in that draft. Yeah, you know, he's got good athleticism, he's got that massive arm, and I'm not sure you could get two more opposite quarterbacks than Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater because Bridgewater never had a big arm. You know, even back in Louisville, he was he was a an efficient passer, I think is the best way to put it. He was never a stretch the field attack deep, throw the throw lasers and frozen rope type quarterback. I have to admit to having kind of a soft spot for Teddy Bridgewater because I feel terrible about what happened to him in Minnesota. Yeah, I thought he was ready to take a step and be one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL and then his knee just gave out and he had that terrible injury. It took him so long to come back from. Yeah. I think he could still be a quarterback you can win with, even if not a quarterback you win because of. I would say that he should be a steady presence for the Broncos and if Locke isn't able to be a consistent quarterback, then Bridgewater, at least, if he isn't an improvement, he at least irons out all the valleys that Locke has in his in his play, where you he might not have the ceiling that Drew Locke has, but he also doesn't have the floor. So overall, I, I think that's kind of an improvement, assuming Drew Locke isn't able to take his game up to the next step. That's a very good point. I, I think... It can be considered an improvement from the sense and the angle of of how you just illustrated it. That if Drew Locke is playing well, it is going to be highly impactful for this offense because he has the talent to do so. Now, if he's struggling a ton, if he's really, really having a hard time, a guy like Teddy Bridgewater is your is a really good option to have as a backup to just plug in there and ask him to finish a game or start the next game if you're really tired of Drew Locke because he's going to get the job done. He's going to keep your offense on schedule. He's going to be very, very conservative. And that's what I think the biggest knock for Teddy Bridgewater has been lately since he had that injury, since he's come back, is he gets the job done. He's just very vanilla. He's not going to kill you deep he's not going to beat you with his legs like he used to be able to it's it's 
kind of a, a guy that's overly conservative that is simply just able to move the sticks when you need him to. And I, it is a positive, as you said, but also in a way, if he has to start, things are probably not going so well for your offense. Yeah, exactly. He, Teddy Bridgewater will probably be a game manager type quarterback, kind of like what Alex Smith was, you know, particularly towards the end of his career, where he's a guy who can put you in good situations. He can deliver the ball where it needs to be, when it needs to be there, but he's never a quarterback that's going to really scare you, at least not anymore. You know, Maybe he could have been at one time, but you know, unfortunately, that injury, you know, injuries suck. Nobody likes to see it happen. But it is just, you know, a fact of the game. And unfortunately, that happened with Teddy Bridgewater. And, you know, I think he could be just a solid, steady presence. And, you know, more or less just take that as you will. <laughs> exactly. So talking these regressions now for this Broncos team, there aren't necessarily any names on here that I see where the Broncos should be super worried about losing guys. The most notable ones that you see, A.J. Boye, who on the older side, not necessarily as impactful as he was earlier on in his career, he's now gone. Philip Lindsay hasn't really been the same since that rookie season, has fallen off, took a secondary role last year. Now he's on the Houston Texans as one of the five running backs that they currently have competing to start at that position. And then lastly, Jarrell Casey, another guy that they lost. I don't really think, Chris, that any of these are, are necessarily something that we should be worried about, or not we, the Broncos and Broncos fans should be worried about. <laughs> but, you know, these are some veteran players who were around for a little bit that they might miss a little bit. Yeah, I would say the Broncos definitely uh, backfilled in for the loss of Boye and Lindsey. Yeah. Patrick Sertain, Kyle Fuller, Ronald Darby. Yeah, that I think makes losing AJ Boye really not much of a big deal. Uh, Javante Williams, again, that I think should more than make up for the loss of Philip Lindsay. Gerald Casey, yeah, he is a guy I think a lot of Giants fans wanted to see the Giants pick up back in the 2020 offseason. Yeah, he was really productive for the Tennessee Titans for a long time. He went to Denver, he but he only played three games, and he didn't have a sack. He only had one tackle for a loss, two quarterback hits. So, yeah, I'm not going to say that's a tr- that's much of a loss for Denver. Yeah, he could be a good player this year. He'd be 32, so that's kind of pushing it. But, you know, I'm really not sure that's much of a loss for them. Exactly. None of those are are really major losses. The additions are the things that tend to stand out a little bit more for this Broncos team. Coming up, we're going to talk about best and worst case scenarios for the Broncos, how we think that they could potentially perform in this upcoming season. Before we do so, though, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So, Chris, I was referencing this before we started recording. And before we unpack the, the Aaron Rodgers dilemma, if that's on the table, I think just overall, the way I see this team, I think it's pretty steady for me. If they currently stick with their, their quarterback situation and you have at least average to maybe slightly below average quarterback play, I see this as like a Bears team last year where they're going to be really talented defensively. They're going to be a defensive-minded team that is going to probably dominate and slow down some opposing teams. But at the same time, it, you know they're not going to necessarily put up a lot of offensive numbers. They're going to be capable and close enough to compete for a playoff spot with a very average record, but what's going to hold them back from really competing is probably going to be some hindrance at the quarterback position. So I I really see this team being a middling record type team next season. Yeah, I I think that's how I see them as well. You know, kind of like the Bears, like Washington last year, where they've got a bunch of pieces in place. They've got an offense that I think is ready for a quarterback to take them to the next level. You know, they've got Jerry Judy. They added Javante Williams. They added uh, Seth Williams, receiver I liked out of Auburn last year. They might have added a, a good piece to their offensive line in Quinn Miners. And who knows, maybe Ted, Teddy Bridgewater will help them, or maybe Drew Locke will take that next step that everybody thinks he could be capable of. But, you know, I think the way their quarterback situation stands right now, Teddy Bridgewater should be that game manager, steady but unspectacular. Drew Locke, he could be really feast or famine as a quarterback. You know, I, while we were getting ready for this, I, I went and looked up some of the stats and more advanced stats on Drew Locke. And last year, outside of garbage time, mm-hmm. Drew Locke was Daniel Jones. <laughs> They're... Uh, basically, Drew Locke had a better EPA, uh, expected points added per attempt, than Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones did mostly because he was attempting passes a lot further down the field. Uh, basically, nine yards to seven yards. Jones had a bit better success rate and a bit and a better completion percentage. Again, likely because he wasn't throwing as far down the field. He was taking a lot shorter routes. And Jones, he didn't take deep shots very often. But when he did, they paid off. That's kind of where the two quarterbacks are. They were literally 24 and 25 in this list. So I think the real elephant in the room, and you mentioned it before, is Aaron Rodgers. We know... A.A. Ron is anything but gruntled. In fact, I would go so far as to say he is disgruntled in Green Bay. And I think everybody right now is just kind of waiting to see what happens. Will he play this year? Will he play for Green Bay? Will Green Bay trade him? You know, will Aaron Rodgers hold out? Or Joel Corey, the former NFL agent, brought this up in a piece for CBS Sports. Could Rodgers use the nuclear option and opt out of the season? Because that would eliminate 
Green Bay's ability to basically use Rodgers' contract against him, and it would force Green Bay to play with Jordan Love, who they traded up for in the was it the 2020 draft. So could Green Bay go so far as to basically cut off their own nose to spite the face of their franchise? Or would they trade him very late in the process, which could kind of be a little bit of a screw you, get used to this new team, you know, with almost no time left. And we'll take, you know, whatever Denver is willing to give us for you. There is a lot of intrigue with that situation, but Aaron Rodgers knows the West side, the West coast offense inside, outside, back and front. They have Pat Shermer there. That I think is a very, very good offensive coordinator quarterback fit where I don't think it would take long for Rodgers to get up to speed in that offense. And that could change the Broncos season outlook completely. But again, we just don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah. Yeah. We we don't really know what's going into this Aaron Rodgers trade deal. We don't, we don't really know if this is actually going to happen or not, but there's a reason why the Broncos have been one of the most projected teams to do it because as we mentioned the whole beginning of the show, defensively, they're a competitive team. They are good enough to do some serious damage. But at the same time, you know, if they can get an elite-level quarterback, it's going to really impact the potential success of this team. If they can get somebody like Aaron Rodgers, they're going to be good. There's no other real team out there like the Broncos right now in a position where if Rodgers is placed on the roster, they are competing for an AFC championship. I don't think that's really too crazy to say. They might be able to be more supportive than the Packers are, and right now that they're not trying to actively replace Aaron Rodgers is the other thing too. And we've also seen a willingness to move on from younger guys and to move in the direction of a veteran when they did that with Peyton Manning. So they're not going to be afraid to do it. There's a reason why it keeps being floated out there. It's just you almost have to think, and and you said maybe they're trying to spite him by waiting longer and longer to trade him. At the same time, the longer you wait, the less you can get from the Bronco. Uh, if you're the Packer, Packers, the less you can get from the Broncos. So right now, there's a lot up in the air. The window is closing for them to actually get something done. Rodgers might end up actually suiting up and just playing for the Packers. But if he's going to get moved, Denver makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Denver probably makes more sense than just about anybody. You know, they it could make sense for maybe Carolina or Washington, but. Green Bay is not going to trade Aaron Rodgers in the NFC. They're going to get him as far away as they can because the last thing they want is to trade him, have him basically pull a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning and take his team to the playoffs and potentially knock them out. Like It it would be a nightmare scenario for Green Bay to – come up against Rodgers in the playoffs, you know, one and done and have him just full of spite and all but living to knock them out of the co- out of the playoffs and say, "You know, I'll show you." You know, that that is a thing they're just not going to allow to happen. Mm-hmm. So, I think it would really come down to what Denver is offering whether or not Green Bay comes to the conclusion that they can move on from Aaron Rodgers uh, that 
Jordan Love is their future and really trading him is their best option. Now, if that happens, the deal will get done. If it if both teams can't come to a deal and Green Bay can't come to that realization, then they're probably just going to have an unhappy quarterback making a lot of money. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, folks, that's going to be it from us on today's show. Thank you for tuning in. Really appreciate um, for listening. And make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave us a five-star review if you enjoy the show. Also head to BigBlueView.com to find our show and also other fantastic Giants content. Talk to you soon, folks. Enjoy the rest of your week.